morning. We are glad to have you join us for the second Sunday in our Lenten journey. The Spirit of God invites all to worship the Creator at this time and in our places, which dwell on Treaty 1 territory, the ancestral lands of the Métis Nation, the Dakota, the Cree, Oje Cree, Dene, Haudenosaunee, and Anishinaabe. A few highlights from life of the congregation. We want to send out condolences to the family of Doris Friesen, who passed away on March the 6th. Um, as well, the formation is going to be moving to in-person rather than the um, Zoom on Tuesday night, so that's going to start today after the service. Um, Dennis will give us the alert again with the bell, and once the bell rings, you have two minutes to get back here um, for the formation. Uh, today it will be Chris Gertson is going to be speaking. He is the director on the board of um, Mennonite Central of Ukraine and will be giving information and an update about what is happening in the Ukraine. Also tonight at the Mer Mennonite Heritage Village, they're hosting a prayer vigil for Ukraine. That's at 7 p.m. You're welcome to attend. I invite you to stand if you are able as we uh, sing and come before God in stillness to recognize his presence.
Please join me in reading the call to worship. Together we seek the way of God. We come to ask, whom shall we fear? We long to gather under the wings of Christ as a mother hen and to learn the holy way of compassion.
Please join me in the prayer of confession. Holy One, we seek you while you may be found. Have mercy on us, O God, for our thoughts are not your thoughts, and our ways are not your ways. As we walk with Christ on this Lenten journey, let us see your way more clearly and follow your way more faithfully. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are those whose sins our God does not count against us. God's unfailing love surrounds those who trust in the Holy One. Let us rejoice and be glad. Let's sing together. Song 305 in Voices Together, Song 305, The Glory of These 40 Days.
Your ways, O God, are higher than our ways. We seek God's ways. In our world in which we recognize darkness, we look to God's light. Lord, move us away from fearful responses into the light of your compassion. Let's pray. God, you are our light and salvation. You are the stronghold of our life. Of whom shall we be afraid? We see a home in you. We seek a heart of curiosity. We seek an eye for beauty. Grounded in you, sheltered by your wings, you reveal a world unfolding in layers of love. Though we will suffer in the journey before us, our consent to your way of compassion makes us strong. Continue to gather and release, O God, as we peck out our path. Amen. Let's turn to number 437 in our hymnals, The Lord is My Light. Number 437. I'd like to invite the kids forward for a puppet show. You all know it's coming.
Good morning, kids. How are you all doing today? Let's call Finn out and see what's up. Ready? One, two, three. Finn the dragon. Hurry! Hard! Sweep! Hurry! Finn, what are you doing? Well, I am getting ready for the Dragon Olympics, Penny, and I am going to be on the curling team. So I just have to brush up a bit on my yelling hard. Finn, <sighs> do you know how to curl? Besides yelling, uh, there's more to curling than just yelling. Oh, Finn. Huh. I thought that as long as I didn't breathe fire and melt the ice to a puddle of water, I was good to go. Hurry! No fire. Hard! No fire. Hey, that reminds me of the gospel lesson today. What? Did Jesus curl? No, Finn, but you mentioned a puddle of water. And did you know that Jesus took some water and did something unexpected with it? Huh. Did Jesus have a water fight with his disciples? No, Finn. Hmm. Did Jesus give his cat a bath? No, Finn. Hmm. Did Jesus wash his car? No, Finn. Oh. Jesus didn't have a car. Oh, news to me. So what did he do with the water, Penny? He washed the feet of his friends. He washed the feet of his friends? Yep. Huh. Were the feet dirty like mine? They might have been. Were the feet stinky like mine? They might have been. Were the feet hairy like mine? They might have been. Huh. So Jesus washed dirty, stinky, and hairy feet like mine? Why would he do such a thing? Uh, because Jesus wanted to show his followers that it's important to serve others, to help others, and that nobody is more important than anybody else. Serving and helping others sounds like a very important thing to learn. So does that mean, Penny, that all of these kids here get to wash my dirty, stinky, hairy feet today in children's church? Hmm. Well, they could, Finn, but I, I also think the lesson, it's the lesson that's important. So as long as I'm willing to help you and the kids are willing to help you and bring food when you're sick and read you stories, walk to school with you and share toys with you, then I think you can keep your feet to yourself. That's probably good for everybody involved. Hey, but there is actually one thing you can do for me, Penny. What's that, Finn? Can you teach me how to curl? Sure, but first, all you kids can hurry hard to the foyer for Children's Church. Bye. Bye.
a reading from the Gospel of John. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to Jesus, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but you later, you will understand. No, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, said Peter, then not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well, you will wash. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not every one of them was clean. And when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place and asked, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than their master, nor is a messenger greater than the king. Now you know these things. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I joked when I when I saw that I was preaching on the text of foot washing, I joked with Mel that if we did a surprise foot washing here at Grace this morning, there would be a few people who might sit it out, you know, because of COVID and keeping six feet. We'd be okay going to restaurants and maybe getting on a plane to go somewhere warm, but foot washing? Hmm, well, Dr. Rusin says we need to still limit our contacts a little bit, so I'll sit this one out. I also joked that if we did a surprise foot washing service here at Grace this morning, everybody joining us via live stream would be doing a happy dance at home and singing, we picked the right Sunday to stay at home. I joke, and for those of you who are here, there is no surprise foot washing service, do not worry. But every good joke has shades of truth, right? Because there's something about foot washing that puts us at unease. And what is that? Is it because foot washing isn't culturally relevant to us in 2022? Are we worried that other people's feet might smell a bit? Is it because we're afraid of what some people will think of our feet? Did some of us forget to cut our toenails in wintertime because all we do is wear wool socks and Sorel boots, especially this winter? <laughs> is it because we've professionalized personal services? that we're okay paying somebody to look after our feet rather than somebody sitting next to us at church. 
So much so that we'd rather put our feet in little bowls than have those little fish come and eat all of the dead skin rather than take off our socks for somebody that we kind of know. Have any of you had those little fish eat your, clean the, the dead skin off your feet? Yeah, one of us has. Talk to me after. That's on my list of things to do in my life. I asked that question to some friends this week and one of them said, wait, people pay to have fish eat their toes? You should be paying me to have the fish eat my toes. <laughs> my foot washing experience, first that I observed, started when I was young. As some of you know, I grew up Roman Catholic and had a good time. And every year uh, they have a service where the priest invites people to sit in the front pew and then he goes around and washes their feet. It's all prearranged so the people knew what they were signing up for, no surprises. But if my memory serves me well, it was a powerful symbol, especially in the Catholic Church, where there is a little more emphasis on formal leadership roles than we Mennonites have. With their pomp and circumstance, the Catholic priests and bishops and popes wear robes and stoles and hats and vests. Well, one of your pastors wears vests, which is better than your other pastor who looks like he's, on the good Sundays, it looks like he's going canoeing, and on the bad Sundays, it looks like he came from canoeing, <laughs> which is funny because I was like, on Friday afternoon, I was like, I need a picture of Mel wearing a vest for the slideshow. I was like, where can I find one? Will this be hard? And I go to the church website, and oh, there's Mel on the website wearing a vest, and then there's me canoeing in a ratty free marathon t-shirt I got one time. And then to my joy, I came to church this morning and Mel was wearing a vest. <laughs> Foot washing, acknowledging the cultural differences, is summarized well by the Mennonite Confession of Faith. And it says this, Those who follow Jesus are likewise called to let go of privilege and pride in order to love others more fully, even those who are hard to love. By this life of love, they show that they are cleansed and a part of Christ. Washing one another's feet is a way of expressing this commitment to follow Jesus in powerful and humble service. We can also think about foot washing as, as, as Anne Friesen emailed me this week. She sent me an email remembering an a conference that she attended decades ago, and she heard a sermon about how behind foot washing lies a principle in this case, perhaps that no task is too menial for a Christian to perform for one another. And how that has worked out in different times and different cultures varies, but no task is too menial. I would suggest that if any of you end up quoting Mel or I 50 years after we said something, we are either going to be tickled, pink, and honored, or probably absolutely terrified. <laughs> no task is too menial. Our summer camp, Camps with Meaning, knows this, since they call their staff training program Servant Leadership Training. We lead by serving. Good leaders and churches, business, Sobies know this, their slogan, ready to serve. And yes, even politicians know this. We are here to serve. And the moment that we complain about not being served a certain type of fancy cheese on an airplane is the moment that our leadership is no longer relevant. We lead by serving. But in our story today, Peter doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet. Now, Peter was a zealot. We're learning about this at high school youth. And so this Israel was under Roman occupation. The soldiers were there. 
And there was a group of Jewish folk called Zealots, and their goal was to violently overthrow the Romans. In their world, the only good Roman was a dead Roman. This was Peter. Now, when you read all the Peter stories, we'll talk more next week about the Peter stories, but he was a zealot. And I'm grateful for this part of the story because I think Peter's hesitation is different than our hesitation. I think our hesitation is us being vulnerable and letting others serve us and wash our feet, whereas I think Peter was thinking, if this is how the Messiah acts, what will be expected of his disciples For the love of Christ, whose feet might I be asked to wash? The Romans? My enemies? In our story today, there was many verses that said that Jesus washed Judas' feet, the betrayer. There are no feet excluded from love. There are no feet unworthy of being washed. Even Judas's. Here's the best part about washing someone's feet, or maybe the worst part, and it's similar to probably the best and the worst part about small g grace, not us, grace. Sometimes we don't want to offer grace to someone for something that they said or did, it's understandable, and we don't condone it, and we try to work through that, and we work hard at accountability and making better policies and being better, aka not sinning, since Gregory of Nyssa said years ago, sin is simply the failure to grow. And after we've done all that we can do to make the situation better and to prevent another one from happening, I still think that at the end, all we're left with is grace. You and I all know people who have held on to grudges until the day they die. And that anger and that animosity destroys all of us from the inside. But eventually, often slowly, sometimes with the help of a community, Sometimes with the help of a therapist, we have to let those grudges go. And all that we are left with is forgiveness and grace. And we offer that grace partly because we don't know when it will be us needing that grace from others. And the same can be said of foot washing. We serve others not knowing of the times when others will show up to serve us. Those of us who have had loved ones die know this. All the food and the flowers show up and you just have to say yes. And then it turns out you actually need all that food and all those flowers. We help out at funerals because it might be our families next. We serve coffee on Sunday mornings and say hi to strangers because one day, maybe, we'll be in a new church or our kids will be in a new church and we hope and wish that somebody comes and says hi to the new person. Sorry if you're an introvert, I know that's a lot harder for you than for me. (laughs) When babies are born, we bring food because sometimes it's us needing the food. And I still have fond memories of the Chilcha and Farmer sausage that Irene Rempel brought us 11 and a half years ago when Ariana was born. And no, there were no vegetables. <laughs> None of this is a selfish thing that we only give because of what we're going to get. No, I think it's a community thing where we know that there will be moments where we give and there will be moments where we receive. And both are necessary and needed. By washing feet, Jesus gave us another physical practice to teach us grace and forgiveness, which are really important for any semblance of human flourishing. 
The symbols that we use and the postures that we adopt matter and lead us to acting with greater integrity, especially those of us who choose to participate in church life. Richard Rohr has a great nugget. I'll quote him and then I'll bring it back to us here at Grace. He says, in the early church, Christian communities were the audiovisual aids that the Apostle Paul could point to, giving credibility to his statements about new life. To people who ask, why should we believe there's new life? Paul could say, look at these people. They're different. They've been changed. As Jesus said, this is how you will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. A few weekends ago, I found myself privileged enough to be on a wine tasting tour (laughs) in Ontario um, with some folk who would identify as queer and racialized. And I was really grateful that they made space at the table for the token straight white guy, which was me at the time. And as we were sharing stories about how we all ended up here at the Black Rock Cellar Winery near Niagara Falls, one of them said to us, she said, chosen family is important, so important. Oh, when you have the chance to sit at the table with wisdom and listen and learn from some great teachers, that is a gift. Chosen family is important they know. And then last weekend, I was on a retreat with some high school kids here from church. And these kids are not friends outside of what we do together here at church. And after a weekend of cooking together and cleaning together and playing broom ball together, I'm not quite the old man they think I am, and after playing the game mafia together and praying together and singing together and crying together, One of them said to the group, these weekends are core moments that shape me. You're my found family. Oh man, am I ever grateful that those wonderful teenagers made space for this old straight white guy. And they think I'm old, even though I'm younger than all their parents. It's kind of cute. You're my found family. When you have the chance to sit at the table with wisdom and listen and learn from some great teachers, what a gift. Who we love and how we love matters. Those who follow Jesus are likewise called to let go of privilege and pride in order to love others more fully. Amen. Let's turn in our hymnals to number 133. My Jesus, I love thee.
Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, as we hear of how you washed your disciples' feet, open our eyes to how we can serve those around us. Show us how to love our family. May we respond to our loved ones with kindness, giving of ourselves so that they may thrive. Help us to care for our congregation, giving of our time and abilities to spread your love. And Lord, may we look beyond grace to the greater world. Right now, we especially hold Ukraine in our prayers, asking for peace. May those in power find peaceful resolution. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, amen. Just a few words before the offertory. O oh God, you are our God. We seek you. Our soul thirsts for you, and our flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land, yet we have seen your glory. Your steadfast love has poured over our lives. Our lips will sing your praise. We will bless you as long as we live. Through the breath you have given, the words that we utter, the work of our mind and hands, and the gifts of our inheritance, we give back to you so that all may sit in the shadow of your wings and share the joy of your abundance. Amen.
Before I read the benediction, just a reminder, there's formation after service. Go ahead and grab a cup of coffee, and Dennis will ring the bell when it's time to meet back here. Um, I also forgot to mention before, but I believe it's going to be live-streamed, so those of you who are joining us from home, you are certainly welcome to stay on and join for the formation. From this time and place into whatever awaits, may you follow God's way of compassion. May, you embrace, may the embrace of Jesus ease your fears and encourage your care for others. As you go, know that our God of the wilderness remains with you on the way. Please stand together, and if you're able, and sing 137 in our hymnals, Holy, Holy, Holy. <laughs> 